0: All right, as the gang uh, said to me a couple of minutes ago, the A team is here. So, first <laughs> <laughs> of all, there's the uh, the ever bright Dr. David Tabbert, who's uh, sporting a nice tan today, back oh. from the holidays. Where have you been, sir? Just everywhere. I've been to Port Macquarie. It's lovely. He's been on a beach, Cheryl. That's why he's Mm. always
1: on holidays. Mm
0: -hmm. And Cheryl Shaw Mm is always good morning, afternoon to you. Brooch watch today. I can see a nice round little brooch with. Mm -hmm. Is that is that a canary bird on there?
1: It is. Oh, Mark, you're getting so good at recognising. Amazing what I
0: can do. Eyesight
2: needs uh, checking. Oh, you got
0: new glasses? No, they're the same ones. Okay. A Haircut. That's the only thing that's different. (laughs) Can I, Cheryl, he can't see us all through that no. fake tan of his over there
1: <laughs> The glare
0: all Right, now why, are we, why will you be talking about canaries today?
1: Okay, because at this time of the year canaries are going through a molt So we're going to be talking about care and what we do with our birds when they're molting
0: Pet Chat on 2NURFM, Dr David Tabret and his Tanner here, as is uh, <laughs> Cheryl Shaw uh, with her brooch uh, on uh, canaries. Uh, you want to talk about the circadian rhythms of That's the right. canary today?
1: Absolutely, Mark, because autumn has arrived and for many of us who own canaries, it's a messy time. Our little birds are going through a molt. So, Dave, you look surprised. Very,
2: no, the word messy. messy. And I thought, they're only a little bird. How messy can they be?
1: Well, they've got to lose 2,000 feathers.
2: Oh my goodness. (laughs) Okay.
1: That's a lot of feathers. I'll get my pillowcase ready.
0: (laughs) Glad we got that sorted out. Yeah, Yeah,
1: Dave was quite shocked. You know, they, they lose it. At this time of the year, they go through a really major molt, so Mm -hmm. they lose every feather that they've got. And this is a really taxing time for the canary because they need a lot of energy to reproduce their new feathers and to shed the feathers that they have. So we've got to take into consideration some of the care that we need to do if we're keeping birds. One of the things is to make sure that um, you are keeping them quiet and that you're not you're allowing them to rest a lot more than usual. They're going to need about 12 hours sleep a day. So that's a lot of sleep. Often birds get up very early in the morning. So if you've got a cage bird inside, make sure you're putting a cover over it so you can encourage it to go to bed a little bit earlier than normal and keep it warm because... When they're shedding their feathers, often um, at birds, if there's a draft around, they can chill and die very easily at this time of the year. I've already lost two birds in my aviary, so I know how easy wow. it is for them to, to succumb to um, when they're not in... You know, really good Mm. health. So, making sure that um, when you, as I said, if you've got the indoor bird, you're covering it over and you're getting it to sleep. Often they reduce their activity to conserve energy. So, a male bird will usually stop singing. So, if it's all gone quiet at your house, that's usually the reason because they're molting and they need to conserve that energy that it takes them to use when they're whistling. Another thing is they often won't go back up onto the perches as high. They'll either stay on the the lower perch or sometimes on the base of the the cage or aviary because they don't have those um, some of those feathers that help them to fly. And they also are trying to um, you know just conserve what energy they have. So another problem is that. Um, we often don't have their diet right. So making mm. sure that their diet is being really looked after during this stressful period for them. So, you know, getting things like your thistles, your poa, um, your dandelions, any extra greens that you can get, some chilies because they've obviously got the vitamin A and C. These are going to really help to keep their um, you know immune system up. up. Up really high um, because we want to make sure that their systems are being really looked after. Another thing that can aid this um, shedding of their feathers is to bath regularly. So offer the bird a bath two to three times a week. Wow! So Dave, why we offer that bath, and if we do it in the morning while it's nice and warm, make sure mm. there's no draft, it actually helps to um, the new feathers coming through. So what we've got to remember is those feathers are often coated in keratin and that keratin needs to be softened and the skin softened for the feathers to break through.
2: Right, okay. And
1: when we bathe or the the canary bathes, um, obviously it's going to take away any dander and dust off the, the skin as well, but it's going to make the bird preen itself a bit more and that's going to help those feathers to come through Mm. because, you know, 2,000 feathers is a lot of feathers to be... A lot of work. A lot of work, a lot Mm. of work for that poor little bird. Um, And we need to make sure that, you know, um, we understand that they just need a little bit more privacy than normal. Some birds actually become really quite... um, their personality alters because they're just not as happy as normal so you know it's a little bit like oh, I'm just feeling a bit down so just leave me alone you'll you will find they'll often go back to a, a smaller part of their cage or you know in, more into a corner away from activity
2: kind of makes sense because in that moment where they're expending a lot of energy there's a lot of change going on then they would be a vulnerable species yes. and yes. so their instinct would be to hide and to be reclusive so that,
1: yeah. you know,
2: potentially in the wild, but yes. if obviously they're in cages, that they wouldn't be exposed to predators. So, yeah, yeah. that kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah. No, it's, I think it's a really interesting time. But just watching, you you know, if you do keep canaries in, in particular, they really are um, a bird that goes through a major molt once a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they lose feathers constantly, but a major molt is just so taxing on those little bodies. But when they come through this, it usually takes, depending on their environment and their health, it usually takes between 6 to 12 weeks. So obviously that's a fair amount of time. But after that molt, they'll come back and the birds will sing beautiful and they'll be happy little canaries. Again, excellent.
0: Hey. Oh. All right, thanks for that, Cheryl. Cheryl Shaw, Dr. David Tabbert are here for a pet chat today, whether it's your know, dogs, cats, your pet snake, pet hubby, uh, pet. No, 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 no. We don't do that. well, Cheryl can take care of that. <laughs> no, and uh, and Ross, good day to you, our uh, pet canary. What's going on with your canary, Ross? Very sad. <laughs> it's um, <clears throat> we've had it it since last year, and yeah. about November last year, it started uh, to molt, and um, it just hasn't come back. It's uh, it's loose, still losing feathers. We bought another canary to put in with it, and it made no difference. And now, now after hearing what Shell said, uh, keep them quiet and that, we've had them, out, uh, had them outside and everything.
2: So we've gone about it the wrong way.
1: Yeah, it's really important to keep them quiet during that molt. And canaries don't mind being a solitary bird; they're quite happy to um, to live, particularly the male on his own. Um, mm-hmm. They do like company of people. They love to see you, and then they'll start whistling when they're not molting. But mm-hmm. um, but the main thing is during that molt that they they're kept out of drafts. They're kept quiet. That their that their diet is really important at this stage. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, and David, you'd agree with that diet there?
2: Yeah. Um the couple of things. One is that they they need the um, energy mm. and the calories, yes. right? So we've got yeah, to make yeah. sure that we've got that high energy food. The second thing is yeah. protein, which is involved in construction of the feathers and the, the keratin sheath that, uh, that Cheryl yeah, right. was talking about earlier. Yeah. So um, oftentimes, particularly if you're talking to other people about uh, these birds that do have this significant moult, then most of the conversation is going to be about getting the diet right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fair yep. And also okay. making right. sure that you Ross that you're giving them a bath and you know 2 to 3 times a week in the morning when it's nice and warm so yeah, that well, they, they've been doing that themselves. Yeah, they canaries love to bathe. It's something that's really important for their health. But that'll help keep their skin really clean and and also bring those new feathers through. Those feathers are made up of about 85 to 88% protein. So they really need that diet to be correct okay. to get those feathers to come through and be nice and healthy.
0: Okay, so what kind of diet I heard you say thistle. Okay, so if, if
1: you're looking in the garden, there's a lot of things that you can get. Just make sure that you know you're not picking them from where anything's been sprayed. But things mm. like chickweed are really good. The chickweed is really um, a, a great source of vitamins and minerals for your bird. Thistles, right. dandelions, they love the leaves, they love the roots, they even love the you know the flowers from dandelions. Yeah, so they're yeah. a great one as well. But you can okay. use things like I grow pots of spinach just for my birds so that I can pick that. The spinach all the time. Yeah, just avoid things things like lettuce. You know, you've got to make sure that we're not giving greens that are going to create problems. Um, Some canaries really love banana as well. So that's a a thing that they do like. Um, And it's often a food that we don't think to give a canary. But chilies are are magnificent. Dave, we were having a conversation off air about how the colour is enhanced in canaries if you give them chilies. So you can add those things to their diet. And obviously, just make sure you know they've got fresh water every day, and they've still got seeds. Canaries mm-hmm. don't need things like shell grit because they um, they actually take the the husk um, away. They remove it. They don't eat the husk. They only eat the inside of the seed, so they don't need shell grit. Okay, fair enough. Okay, that's about it, I think. That's well, good luck. Yeah. Good luck, and I just hope they get through the malt well. for Thanks, you. Ross.
0: Firing up with, uh, as they say, the A team from Pet Chat today. Cheryl Shaw and Dr. David Tabbert and his Mm. tan. Mm. G'day, uh, Carol at Belmont. Tell us about Murphy, your dog. What's going on, Carol?
3: Uh, Well, he's just had blood tests. Yes. And uh, it looks like he could have Cushing's disease. Yes. Now, to go any further, uh, what I've got to do... um, for three months, it would cost me uh, he's got to have um go in for eight hours and be treated and have i think it's three blood tests. The thing is for three uh for three months it's going to cost me about two and a half thousand dollars and then after that um he will need more blood tests i 'm not sure how regularly mm-hmm. uh, but the medication's two hundred a month mm-hmm. i'm a pensioner and uh I've spent money, always spent what my animals need, but she's 14 years of age, Mm. and I don't know, uh, I'm caught between the devil and the deep. I'm not sure how quickly this disease progresses, or...
2: So what what sort of dog is Murphy?
3: He's a Carn Terrier.
2: Oh, okay. That's a little bit different. Don't, yeah, We don't see them very often, and he's about 14, you said?
3: Yes, he's 14.
2: Okay. Um, so Cushing's disease is where the adrenal glands are pumping out too much cortisol, and it has effects throughout the body. Yeah. Um, now, with regard to the, uh, first of all, the blood tests, there's. it sounds like what you've had done is some initial blood tests, that have shown that there's possibly
3: there's mm.
2: Yeah, possibly some liver changes that relate to the excess cortisol would be the, the thing that would be most suspicious.
3: Yes. Apparently two out of uh, two things showed normal. I know one was cholesterol and I've forgotten what the other one was.
2: Probably but Bil- then, there was, yeah.
3: then there was one that was uh, elevated.
2: Yes. So the next set of blood tests are the ones that actually diagnose the disease um, because there's a lot of reasons why uh, cortisol can go up and we use those blood tests which are done over the course of one day. One day, as you said, it's an eight-hour test. We use that to tell us um, where the actual problem is with the production of cortisol so that's very helpful then to determine both um, further treatment and also um, you know the prognosis like as you mentioned he's 14 and what's going to happen unfortunately once it's diagnosed once it's there it's not going to go away on its own no Um, i was
3: wondering if it's a slow progressive disease or uh, you know, at 14, I'm presuming that if he lives to 15 or, or mm. 16, he's doing well.
2: Yeah, I'm not uh, not up to speed on the general life expectancy for canned terriers, but always the little dogs seem to live longer, of course. Yeah. Um, is it progressive? It, the effects of it are progressive. So the actual disease itself, the excess cortisol, just keeps keeps pumping out regardless, and that probably doesn't progress, but it's the effects of the cortisol that's building up in the body. That yeah. It produces changes in things like the liver. Um, it increases uh, the risks of blood clots. It increases um, the risks of kidney disease. It causes uh, increase in um, di- uh, appetite, mm-hmm. increase in water intake, urine output. It changes the skin changes joints, increases the risk of diabetes, all of those sort of things. All so, those things, yeah. Yeah, and it's really hard to say for any one particular dog how quickly that will progress unless yes. you kind of, you know, wait and see for that. Generally, it's, it's good to get them treated um, and there are probably a couple of different treatments. There is a cheaper treatment, however, it has more risk of side effects. Yeah. So it might be worth discussing that with the vet given the circumstances, but yeah. the risk of side effects could actually make things a bit more troublesome. Yeah. Um and if I go back a long time for a lot of time people used to say, well, you know, it causes these things like weight gain and uh urine output and things like that and a bit of hair coat. And, you know, if you don't do anything, well, that's about all that happens. But it actually does shorten their life, and mainly through blood clots and so on. So it's probably worth that conversation and see whether or not there's some way you can navigate, um, you know, the remaining time for and, you.
0: And Cara, while you've been hearing all of that, I've made myself useful and actually looked up the life expectancy for your breed. And it, uh, according to the Animal Health Clinic, it's yeah. a website that's around 13 to 15 years, so you're yes. pretty okay. much yes. in that space, okay.
2: David. Yeah, Yeah.
3: thank you for that. Thank
2: yeah. you. So it's worth having a chat. It does certainly, as you said, like the cost can add up with these chronic diseases
3: yes, in old yes.
2: age, um, but, but it is a significant uh, disease. Yes.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, look, thank you very much for your information, and uh, that's uh, all right. I'll... Uh, I'll consider it all, and um, it's helped me make my decision.
0: Okay. Thanks, Carol. All right, Carol, all the best uh, for you and uh, Murphy as well. Gang, we were talking about the change of seasons, how that affects the canaries with mm. the moulting, and what was it, David? Uh, Cheryl, 2,000 feathers, mate. That's yeah, still amazing. It is. David, it turns out that the change of season may also be uh, a little bit of a problematic time for our uh, hunters' dogs as well.
2: Yes, and the thing we often see with this uh, transition from summer to spring, uh, s- summer to autumn, and winter to spring, is a lot of the different plants and grasses uh, seeding and flowering and things like that, and what that can uh, entail for our pets, for our dogs in particular, is allergies. And the area I wanted to concentrate on was about uh, external ear disease or otitis externa. So just quickly, the ear in dogs is uh, made up of three parts, the external, the middle, and the inner. It's very, you know, deep. <laughs> the, the, deep the te- inside the they're ear the te- there. Te- well, <laughs> They're the yeah. technical term, Sherry. you technical, wouldn't understand. External, <laughs> middle, and inner. And the area where we often see the... the First signs of the allergic skin disease in the ears is in the external part because that's the bit that's lined by skin and it's also got access to the outside. And so we know that a lot of certain, well, breeds, a lot of breeds, um, and in particular the smaller fluffy dogs, um, particularly if they've got hair down the ear canal, which decreases ventilation and makes it very difficult for the ear to stay dry. Moisture builds up. And that allows things like yeast to build up in the ear. And then subsequently, uh, bacteria can often follow. But it'd be surprising how often we'll just find a yeast infection without any bacteria. Now, that's a, a scenario that we see pretty frequently. And it doesn't really, it's not a case of the dog's gone for a swim or something like that. Although that can often increase the risk, obviously, because again, if there's no ventilation, there's no way for that moisture to get out of there so the change of season we're seeing these grasses come along and uh pollens as i said and a lot of dogs are very susceptible to that so they might flare up with problems on their feet or elsewhere on their body but if your dog is say susceptible in spring um just always pay attention to the ears because sometimes even if their feet are okay and the rest of them are okay but maybe the ears uh other area that are going to show up first. And obviously they can be shaking their head, scratching at their ears, um, painful when you touch them around the head. That's the other thing we really notice. Um, Now, a a lot of people ask the question, well, does that mean I should be cleaning my dog's ears all the time, you know, as a regular thing? Generally, no, but there are probably some exceptions to that. I mean, if your dog has a history of ear disease, then it's um under veterinary supervision there may be a cleaning regime that we use if your dog has a history of or uh, exists with hair down the ear canal then that might also be something that needs to be pay attention to whether or not we need to clean them but just remember remember that that hair is supposed to be there it's just how much of an effect it's having some people want to go in and then pluck all the hair out now cheryl are you a plucker or a lever?
1: Okay, so I'm an old school groomer and yes. there are two trains of thought. One is you leave the hair there yeah. and one is you take it out. But proper removal is key to doing it if you are plucking. So there is a way to pluck and it must be done by somebody who knows how to pluck. Not every groomer can pluck properly. Yeah. Because sometimes if they're not lifting that hair out gently, they're going to interfere with the membrane of the ear and create a, an infection site there because if they don't lift it, it's so the hair in the ear canal should be able to be just lifted over the top of your finger and rolled out. Yep. Not yanked out yes. or not pulled out. Yes. And to call it plucking is probably where a lot of people go oh it's like plucking your eyebrows and you pull it out you you cannot do that because you are going to upset that ear canal and you will end up with an infection in there for me owning poodles I know that if I don't pluck my poodles ears we will end up with an ear problem Mm. and so we do that we don't do it every bath time it's you know sort of probably every six weeks that I pluck inside the ears and particularly with dogs that are um, either apricots or chocolates they tend to have more problems in their I've,
2: ears. I found that too, particularly yep. the apricots. Apricots yeah. you can
1: almost guarantee they're going to be a problem. So I, one of my dogs Avalon is apricot and I pluck his ears and I've, and he's five, never had an ear problem. But I've had previous dogs that I haven't been as vigorous with plucking and ear problems. So I am a plucker. My daughter who works with me doesn't pluck ears, she doesn't believe in it and she owns a standard poodle and she doesn't pluck its right. ears. okay. So we all come from different areas but um, if if there is a problem often owners can smell the ear as well so there is that odor so if you're in you know if you're patting your dog or cuddling your dog and you smell that odor it's off to the vet because you just don't touch anything that's got an odor
2: that's right and the other thing about dog's ears is that different to our ears which just go straight in dog's ears are an l-shaped yes so they're actually quite quite a long funnel And what happens is material gets right down the bottom, packed up against the eardrum. Now, we don't know without examining whether or not that eardrum is intact. Mm -hmm. And that requires a special instrument called the otoscope. And so, you know, if you're at home and you think, oh, he's got a sore, ear," I'll just put some vinegar down their ear or something, you could be making that dog permanently deaf straight away and causing untold damage. So always make sure that, particularly even from the grooming question it's let's make sure the dog is you know not presenting with an actual ear infection before we're doing anything let's get off to the vet get it all sorted and see what they say about that eardrum because if it is uh torn the eardrum it can take a while for it to grow back. Yeah,
1: there's another thing on that, David. From a grooming perspective, we don't actually put solution into ears to clean no, ears. Good. We do clean ears, but we use a makeup pad because that leaves no fibres behind, so there's no site for bacteria. So we Excellent. don't use cotton wool and yep. things like that. But one of the things is um, that we do is put the solution onto the ear pad, put that into the ear, give it a little rotate, and just clean out what is you know able to um, to be accessed easily. You were saying about the shape of the ear being like an L. If you put solution in, you don't know how much has gone into that ear and then you're adding more moisture in the ear and, of course, that isn't going to mm. allow the ear to dry out. So, yeah. yeah, it's one of those things you've got to be very careful about.
2: That's right. Um, you can't even see it. No. And so it's very difficult to do that. And that's why with at this time of the year when we start to see more dogs with that ear disease because of their allergies flaring up, um, you know, just don't use the same treatment that you might have had six months ago or 12 mm-hmm. months ago because I've seen that happen mm. where people go, oh, I've got some of that bottle of stuff left over. Mm. First of all, it's out of date and probably inf- contaminated with bacteria or yeah. yeast itself. But secondly, we don't know what the actual problem is until we get in there. And mm. the other one is uh, we see grass seeds. Yes. That get down near canals. Mm. And so that's actually something that mechanically... We have to remove them. Otherwise, we're just going to be putting medication onto an ear that is not going to get better.
0: Almost time to wrap it up with Pet Chat. And Cheryl Shaw is here. And Cheryl, I've noticed something. I know you've keenly been keeping an eye on this as well. I think Dr. David's tan has just receded a little since he's what? been in this afternoon. It's fading. It's fading away. Fading. I need to get outside. <laughs> Another, get out. holiday. Well, no, so <laughs> Another holiday. Well, Another holiday.
2: Yeah, Tick back <laughs> up to the north coast he is. David, you've got something super quick you want to throw at us. Look, um, been in the news a bit recently around brachycephalic dogs. Brachy meaning short, cephalic is head, so the short-nosed dog's. And what's been going on is there's been a real push to try and improve their welfare. Um, I've even noticed when I've been walking my dogs, talking to other people who've got, you know, we're talking about things like pugs, bulldogs, French bulldogs, um, well, cavaliers, Mm -hmm. um, those type of dogs that have, or the shih tzus um, also, Pekingese, those sort of dogs that have got these pushed in noses, And what actually happens is the tissue that's in a normal dog's nose, and by normal I mean a long nose, say a greyhound, for instance, right, these short-nosed dogs have actually got the same amount of tissue in their airway, in their nose. It's just all crammed in. Mm. And so what that does is it creates uh, a difference in pressure to try and breathe, and then that leads to lower airway problems and they're susceptible to choking and... um, you know, food and water going down the wrong way, things like that. Surgery, a lot of people dive into that, but obviously that can be expensive, it's problematic, there's recoveries and so on. So we're starting to shift the conversation towards prevention. And prevention is about trying to breed dogs that have a better, what we call phenotype, which means what they look like after they're born. And um, that's going to see probably changes roll out over the next, I reckon, 10 to 15 years, but the first thing is just being Gee, aware got, of it. you got your
0: topics sorted, haven't you? For the, well, next, for the next 10, <laughs> 10 years. Is. I'll be talking about this.
2: <laughs> yes. All
0: right, sounds pretty good. Thank you, Dr. David and Ted. Thank you, Cheryl Shaw. <laughs> My pleasure. And Broach. All right, Pet Chat, back next Wednesday for us. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care and travel.